Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of The Darius Show. As always, my name is Darius Cook, and on this podcast, I watch a show, I talk about that show, you listen, and you enjoy. For today, we are going to be breaking down Letterkenny Season 10. Letterkenny is a Canadian comedy series following the small town of Letterkenny and its 5,000 residents, and as we explore their daily problems. I watched this on Hulu, and I had a really fun time watching it. I've been a very big fan of the series for a few years now, and season 10 delivers just like the rest, so I'm happy to break this down and get all the way into it. And without further ado, let's go ahead and roll the intro. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. Before I really get into the nitty-gritty and start breaking them down episode by episode, I want to just pitch Letterkenny to anyone who might be listening to this part of the episode and hasn't already watched the series. This series is one of the funniest, most engaging comedies I've ever watched. Now, I will say that this show is very Canadian. It is Canadian as all hell. That being said, even though it's very much so preaching to a Canadian crowd and, and is capturing kind of the Canadian spirit... Uh, it, it's still enjoyable by everyone, I would say. I mean, there's a lot of references that do go over my head, but just watching the way that these actors perform these super long dialogues packed with metaphors and different uh, different jokes and references all to a certain rhythm, the show really draws you in and just has a very nice energy to it. So that's all I'm going to say for there. We're going to get into spoilers. We're going to break down each episode. This is a short season. It's only six episodes. It's pretty true to form with most seasons of Letterkenny. However, I will say to the show's credit, they do a really good job of packing a lot of narrative in that short run and squeezing just a lot of dialogue and content without it feeling forced. It's only six episodes long, but it feels like 12. So that's that's very impressive that they continue to do that. So kicking things off with the first episode, we open to a back and forth between Wayne and Derry, uh, both explaining different things to the audience. This is a classic way to kick off things for Litterkenny, which is by just delivering like a three to five minute long back and forth where the characters are just delivering these one-liners or they're, they're slow, they're, they're short jokes is really what they are. They're, they're small stories that all have a punchline. It's very folky and it, it'll always get a chuckle out of you and they're quick and they're snappy. They deliver like 20 just right off the bat. Every time you hop in a letter, Kenny, they just attack you with a barrage of jokes right away and and it's always a reminder that you need to be you have to be sharp you have to be quick and uh and with it to follow along with the pace of letter kenny many times throughout the season i deposit and then replay a scene just because i wasn't quick enough to hear all the jokes and really understand it all and i had to run it back to get it all in so this show delivers as soon as we're done with that we are reminded of where the last season season nine finished things off and it was with a sort of cliffhanger ending where uh, all of our residents of Letterkenny are all gathered in Modines like they always are at the beginning or at the end of a season or for any big episode in general. And they get pulled up on by the French people. And this is the leader of them is uh, Anik. I believe I'm saying her name correctly. I might be butchering it a little bit. But this is Daryl's ex, Derry's ex. And uh, basically the way their relationship ended was because she cheated on him and 
we we are always reminding Derry. Uh, when I say we, I do mean our main group of the Hicks. That <laughs> that once somebody cheats on you, you can't go back, and he, the temptation is certainly there. But anyways, uh, she stops by to let her let Derry know that she has moved on, and he and she wanted him to hear it from her. And then she repeats that exact same phrase to Katie, and you're thinking, what? Do they have a relationship? That's weird. Um, but then an instant later, it gets revealed that she is now dating Dirk, who is Katie's ex that also cheated on her. There is actually a theme of our main character's significant others cheating on him. There's strong implications that that happened to Wayne as well very early on, if I recall correctly. And, so, and then we've seen it happen to Derry and Katie here. And so it is interesting that Derry's ex is now dating Dirk's ex just to add a little bit of drama and spice into the narrative here. What we see play out, what we see play out is Dirk pretty much being a douche, kind of rubbing it in Katie's face, really reveling in it. And shortly thereafter, what comes to play is what we all come to expect from Letterkenny, which is if you mess with one of them, you mess with them all and uh, cue the brawl scene and what I love about Letterkenny is every season delivers on the on just these all-out brawls that show a sense of bond within this community of Letterkenny that they will always go to blows for each other. It's a little bit of toxic masculinity, but they have so much fun with it, and it's the way they shoot the scenes and the score that they always accompany it with always leaves you with a lot of energy, and you can't help but love it. Another important event that's happening in this episode, also at Modine's, is revolving around Riley and Jonesy, our resident hockey bros of our cast. And it's that's they've lost their girls, their two little supporter girls, to the rival energy drink company that got introduced at the end of the last season. And they end up also taking their technicality rights to their second championship, something that those characters pride themselves and identify with greatly. So this really leaves the two of them at a low and with a new opportunity for growth for coming into the next few episodes here. This episode ends on one dramatic note where we see Wayne's ex-girlfriend standing outside of Modine's about to enter. We don't know what's going to happen when she enters. That, that answer ends up becoming a little bit more clear a few episodes down the line, but that's how this episode ends in a little cliffhanger moment without closure, something Letterkenny loves to do. And before I actually jump into episode two, I find myself, uh, I haven't actually explained what the different factions are in this town of Letterkenny. If you're actually listening this far into this review, you're definitely already familiar with this, but I do think it's worth mentioning really quick. Our main characters are part of the Hicks, and that's that consists of our main character, Wayne, his sister, Katie, and his two buddies, uh, Squirrely Dan and Daryl, Derry, excuse me. And they are the Hicks. We spend the most time with their point of view. They're, they're more so the main characters out of anyone, although there are many more main characters. The next one are the Skids. They're essentially druggies slash like interpretive, alternative, fringe society type people. Their role changes and evolves in many different ways, but they are certainly identified with access slash infinity towards drugs and uh, most, more recently their DJ career. These characters are super interesting. Uh, I Sometimes they're a little cheap and annoying, but for the most part, they actually bring an interesting, necessary ingredient to the overall success of Letterkenny. And of course, we can't forget about the hockey bros. That is Riley and Jonesy. They are the heart of Letterkenny, in my opinion. Their scenes are always just silly, goofy, and at times they even feel like cartoon characters. But because the actors are so heavily committing to their 
to their dorky doofus best friendery. They really work, and for and despite their ridiculousness, you can't help but root for them. Of course, there are many other characters that have their individual dynamics and specific quirks to their little side groups, but these three groups are really the main ones that we follow throughout the series. So kicking back into episode two here, one thing that I will mention at the top is that episode two and three were the weakest, in my opinion, of the entire season. I still did enjoy watching it a lot, but I think the other episodes do a much better job of capturing the what what I just love about Letterkenny, what keeps me coming back, and two and three just don't quite do that in the same way. However, episode two opens to a cold open of our Hick team debating between uh, who is the bigger Hick. Uh, is it Derry's cousin, uh, Derry's little cousin from down the street, or is it Squirrely Dan's second cousin from down the road? It's a funny little banter that they set up, and there's a lot of good humor that comes out of it. And that debate ends up being the driving conflict between Derry and Squirrely Dan throughout this episode as they are competing in a contest to get this specific kind of like Canadian beverage. Uh, it's like a taste test, right? It's a good way for a lot of the citizens of Letterkenny to interact with each other without Wayne really being involved. That's because Wayne is actually along with Mick Murray uh, with his ex, we find out that this is why his ex was waiting outside of the event at Modine's was to ask him for help getting a car because people at the dealership will try to take advantage of her. So she enlists the help of Wayne and Squirrely Dan, and there's a bit of tension right before he sets out to go help her. And they call in a question on his current girlfriend, Rosie, are you okay with this? You're, you, you, you trust him? You know, cheating is something that does happen a lot in this world, so it's it's very fair for everyone to feel skeptical immediately of this. And to that, she just answers, uh, I, I, I won't stop trusting you unless you give me a reason to. You know, you haven't given me a reason to not trust you yet, so he always gets the benefit of the doubt. And what we see there is a very mature relationship, one that does have a strong foundation of trust. Another nice little thing that they add throughout the episode is Wayne is texting her these just ridiculous updates the whole time, mainly at the disparaging of McMurray. Uh, they are funny, and the way that he signs his name at the end of his text is so very Wayne and was just very funny to see as well. But what we see is that even though they, they, they do trust each other to just engage in this type of activity, he is still taking a point to send her messages throughout the day so she doesn't feel too worried about the situation. It's a nice move on on Wayne. And I will say, I did expect for something to happen. I thought that there would be a tension at some point between Wayne and his ex, but that never really happens. A couple of looks, perhaps, but nothing definitive or implica Im implicative of anything my other than just a minor glance between two exes. Uh, and that's kind of the point. I think that the show wants you to expect for something to happen, but the true surprise is just seeing modeled to us what a healthy adult relationship can and should look like. So they definitely get points for me there. Overall, the episode was just a little bit lacking in personality, let's say. The plot at the dealership between McMurray and the dealer it didn't really, wasn't super strong for me, so... The next episode, episode three, I have to say is definitely my least favorite episode of the season. We open up to a cold, uh, cold open, as all episodes do. To Wayne, he's symmetrically in the middle of the barn. Uh, and he's, he's acting as the middle, basically the judge between the debate that's happening between Squirrely Dan and Derry. And they're debating something involving 
Katie's big, juicy tarts. And basically the joke they're setting up here is that her big tarts sound like her big tits. And, you know, they're playing with the word dialogue as they often do with Letterkenny around that type of joke. The actual debate that they have set up in how much you can fault Squirrelly Dan for meaning to save half her dairy, but the rest of it crumbling away was really funny. And Derry's response saying that, you know I eat things off the floor and how passionately he wants to get that across was really funny. Overall, the idea, the premise of this joke wasn't really funny for me. I don't love it when they just say things that sound kind of inappropriate and rely on that type of humor. The jokes that come out of that situation, however, are still funny enough to fully engage me for that cold open. Getting into the plot of this episode, the Hicks are essentially invited by the Dicks, uh, which is a Mennonite family that just that lives in Letterkenny as well. This isn't the first time we've interacted with the Dicks. They they are used a lot, especially once you get past season five. You definitely see a regular appearance of the Dicks and their Mennonite little family. And a lot of their jokes are obviously in reference to their last name being Dicks. The party they get invited to is a sausage party where it's Basically, a a sausage roasting party, but only guys are allowed. Obviously, you can see where there's fuel for a lot of jokes here. And this this episode does pack you up with a lot of jokes. But honestly, every time that we spend time with these Mennonite characters, I think that the episode's really flatlined. There's so many interesting characters that they have in Letterkenny to explore. And with only six episode runs per season, there's definitely characters that we don't get to spend a lot of time with. And I think just about any other character is worth spending more time with than the Mennonite ones. I don't think that their humor is really funny. It's the one part of Letterkenny that doesn't crack me up. Crack me up. It's the only thing that feels just lowbrow enough without enough layers to carry it other than just being kind of dumb word humor. I don't know. Maybe I'm going a little too hot at it because I do still enjoy watching any Letterkenny episode. Their worst episode is still a great one, but it's just not my favorite plot to go through. Meanwhile, we are getting some character interactions that I do always love to see, and that's between the skids and the hockey players as they start to bond a little bit over playing a video game that they both are into. Once the skids easily destroy the hockey kids in their own game, the hockey bros end up really just freaking out and throwing like a little man tantrum tantrum. Temper tantrum. There we go. Uh, <laughs> it's funny to see the the acting. Whenever they let these characters just be silly, it always just works. And these are like two different cartoon groups crossing over. It's kind of like Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. It's super silly. And when you juxtapose it from these other scenes where, you're, where we do have the point of view of the Hicks, it's very shocking to, to see how it ends up all being very cohesive at the end of the day because these factions are just so incredibly different. Um, however, the, that plot doesn't really go anywhere. We just see that they end up on a little bit more of e- equal footing as friends, and that's between Stuart, Roald, and Riley and Jonesy. And that is a dynamic that I would like to see played up a little bit more in the future. All right, episode four. <laughs> you know, I just said episode three was my least favorite episode of the season. My absolute favorite episode is episode four. This one was so fun to me. But essentially, we we get another cold open of Wayne saying into the camera, uh, you were a bit over the legal limit of, you were a bit over the legal limit the other day. And it's always funny to see Wayne be the goofy one. He essentially was way too hammered in the middle of the day, as opposed to everybody else was just sipping on a beer, maybe two beers. And seeing him be the silly, goofy, whimsical one of the group while everybody else acts as a straight man is always just such a delight. I say that even though even the goofy version of Wayne is still played just incredibly straight. 
but there's just a lot of humor that comes out of this. Any cold open that follows our our fearsome foursome of the Hicks over next to the little produce stand always just leaps off the screen. And there's just something about their dynamic. I think that's the most essential part to the Litter Kenny formula because it's always underscored here how much this show has rhythm to it. The way that these characters speak, there's there's a specific rhythm. And every time you say one thing, you always respond with another thing. The show trains its audience to feed on these on these limericks, on these metaphors that these characters are always using. Pitter-patter is one that has seeped into my brain, and I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. But it's this cold open that they're putting it all on display, and they're just reminding you why Letterkenny is what it is. Anyways, the plot of this episode is actually centered around Wayne going to the doctor. Essentially, the old doctor in town has just retired, and now there's a new one in town that everyone needs to kind of do a check-in with so they can get on file with their, you know, their go-to doctor. And what quickly gets revealed to us, well, let me don't get too ahead of, of myself. When he's in the waiting room, we get to see Glenn acting as a receptionist, and Glenn is doing his typical Glenn thing. It's interesting to see that his character has more or less just been reduced to he's just going to be wherever the characters have to go as a new worker there. I think that there was a lot more depth to the character back when he was actually a priest. I mean, I think he still technically is, but they just really don't play with that part of his character anymore. He still is funny. The actor and the character always manage to get a laugh out of me, but I just don't think that his character is as in a strong place anymore. He's kind of been reduced to Modine's assistant in a weird way. But we, anyways, after we check in with him, we end up running into Coach at the doctor's office. And Homie lost a lot of weight. Kudos to that actor from the more recent season till now. It seems like he lost a lot of weight. However, they let that seep into his character because he just can't stop talking about how he goes to the gym now. Something, a funny little retort for him that definitely uh, brings some energy to his character. Some much needed energy. They end up playing with him a lot this episode, and they introduce even more of our male characters to. And I think that this episode is really like a boys' episode. It's it it does sign a focus into a uh, a ragtag group of just the guys of Leonard Kenny as they navigate this problem. But let's just go ahead and get into it. I so once once Wayne is lamenting to Coach about you know visiting this doctor for the first time in a while, they also end up running into Pillboy who gets called into the doctor first. The Everything seems to be going smooth sailing. However, the doctor starts to encourage him to get a prostate exam, a prospect that never crossed his mind because their old doctor didn't even think to suggest it. And now that he's, in, he's pushing this to the forefront to all of our male characters, they all have to grasp with the concept of allowing this to happen when they never expected it to be the case. This is certainly a relatable plot, uh, the idea of receiving a prostate exam is one that just physically makes me crawl. And the characters approach this idea from different points of view that really kind of you get to really wrestle with them. And even though some of their points of views in regards to it might be a little old fashioned, the way they present it and the honesty that they wrestle with it, it's just completely endearing. And it's just an open and honest conversation. By the end of the episode, Tannis kind of gives everybody a breakdown of the crazy things that the females have to go through first, for example, in a pap smear, which is way worse than getting a prostate exam. And that ends up being the fire they need to motivate them to all go and take care of that. However, before they do, one of my favorite scenes of Letterkenny in general, and this is really one of the reasons why this is my favorite episode, is between it's a moment between Wayne and Derry. And Derry is talking to Wayne about how he got his prostate exam, or at least he was about to. 
they really take their time with the scene and i just don't know how letter kenny packs all their content into one episode they're not even that particularly long but so much happens and they really it really feels like they take their time with these scenes and what we're seeing is just an open and vulnerable conversation between the two of them at first they're really speaking in code about getting a prostate exam but slowly they it becomes a little bit more transparent they're still being non-specific but they're being they're clearly having a more honest conversation and even the body language that happens on Wayne he starts to cross his legs in a very like therapist way and you can tell that the conversation between these two good buddies is much needed and it's like a no judgment zone it was just a beautiful thing to see between uh two guys and their male friendship but yes in the resolution of this episode we see Wayne, Derry, Coach and Pillboy all confronting getting their prostate exam together and and using each other's support as their backbone, they're all able to go in and do their thing. And I don't know, this is a type of moment we don't see much from Letterkenny, this type of messaging. It was definitely unique, but it was just super funny, charming, and dare I say cute, honestly. What is super funny is to look at each character's face. They do a tight zoom in right on their face the moment that they are getting the finger up their butt for their prostate exam. And the faces that they all deliver are just so delightfully funny. And the slow motion capturing of it to really see every wrinkle come into focus was just so hilarious and another interesting and unique choice for Letterkenny. I also really like them fleshing out Coach's character, you know, because recently he's just been such a flat line to be on the screen. I liked him a lot back when he was the hockey coach back in the earlier seasons of the show. But ever since he they've taken him out of the rink, his character has just been about bringing up his dead wife, which had some humor to it at first and some endearment. However, they just rung they ring that bell so much and there wasn't much humor with it. This episode, they played with this character in a way they hadn't before, and it makes him so much more likable. And I found myself wanting to see him more this season. Episode five kicks off in a unique way where we actually get Modine narrating the initial cut to cold open scene. Usually this is where we would see Wayne say something along the lines of you were sitting around with your buddies the other day or you were sipping on one beer or two the other day uh, into whatever the scene would be. However, we see Modine here say that she was serving the she was serving a bit over the legal limit the other day, which is actually a callback to just the episode before the same thing that uh, Wayne narrated for himself. Very similar. But what we get in this cold open is just a ridiculous scene of the McMurrays, Mr. and Mrs. McMurray, recounting a random sex escapade they had had recently to Modine uh, in order to squash a bet between the two of them over a case of beer. What we see is a ridiculous scene of the three most sexual characters just going at play. And I got to say, I usually don't love the McMurray scenes, at least the two of those, the, the two couple, the two married couple going at it. It's always a little cringe for me. But in this scene, I actually had a lot of fun with it. I don't know what it was. And maybe I was just a little bit more open to seeing this kind of silly sex humor. It is a low, it is a bit lowbrow at times, but I had fun watching this one and it actually got a good chuckle out of me. Getting into the plot of this episode, we see Tannis approaching Wayne, asking him for a favor. The favor essentially being that he will help close down her ice rink place and basically run the Zamboni machine after everybody's cleared out every night for... It's not described how long it is, but it's at least a week or so. Uh, he definitely makes multiple visits doing this. And he he's reluctant to take it on at first, but she says, please, I'm really asking you just for this favor. You know I would do the same for you. 
And of course, we all know the audience definitely expects this at this point. If you're a Letterkenny fan, you know what the response is. When a friend asks for help, you help them. And that's exactly what Wayne does. He doesn't ask for anything in return. And what we see from Wayne when he's actually running the Zamboni machine, I think that this might be a bit of a foreshadowing to maybe what we might get out as a closure arc for Wayne as a character. We really see him kind of enjoy this work. And he there there's something to Wayne that he really is, his character really just appreciates the slower things, the, the smaller beauties in the world. And him operating that Zamboni machine is definitely a way that he can kind of capture that. What we what we also see here is there's a, there's a a character on the rink on an unidentified an unidentified one from a different country that's been flown in to train here by Tannis, and what we see is somebody that's just putting an endless time into their hockey training to the point where they're there way after hours throwing up and continuing to run back and forth, and Wayne really just respects this character. I don't know if this is supposed to be Shorzy because every time that. Wayne sees this character and then he closes up shop after he runs his Zamboni. We see a character th- that is definitely Shorzy starting beef with, you know, other people that are around, notably the French. That being said, it's strongly implied that that is Shorzy, but from the canon in the universe, I don't think that Shorzy is the one from a different country that's getting sent back away. So I don't quite understand what they were doing there. I don't. It seems like they were trying to act like they were the same person, but that's definitely not the case in my opinion. Now, if I were to analyze this a little bit further, keep in mind that Shorzy as a character is actually played by the same actor as Wayne. He's also the creator of the series, and we never see Shorzy's face, right? So that's just an interesting little tidbit to his character. If you, you might not have known that before, right? So we already know that Wayne does have this connection to Shorzy kind of, you know, in the background of things, you know, in the, behind the fourth wall that definitely exists. And the same kind of relationship actually exists with this player who's exhausting themselves training so much. Again, I don't think that this is Shorzy, but assuming that it isn't Shorzy, there is still the same type of connection between Wayne and him. Because what I think this character, this mysterious character and what they represent is that facet of the actual actor for Wayne, the one who made the series. I was watching an interview with him recently, and he actually went abroad to London to train in his hockey for half of his high school year. He took it very seriously. It's a big fat aspect of the actor's life and which is why it bleeds so much into the stories and the plots. And especially when you see that handshake scene between the two of them at the end, you it really hits home that this is him kind of expressing himself in a way and his admiration for his time with that sport. Uh, again, it's just weird that all these characters, you know, bringing Shorzy into this episode really drives a weird message home of this specific character actor story. It was just really interesting. I'm not quite sure where it landed overall in communicating anything, but it was definitely like a special episode to see all of those interactions happening. The other plot that's happening in the episode I thought was super funny. There's essentially a power struggle happening between the hockey brothers and and the skids as the girls that were supporting the skids before now have kind of switched allegiances and now are fully backing the hockey bros backing the hockey bros however they're the both both factions uh head into into their tiktok career they call it vidvoc or something like that but essentially the content that the hockey bros riley and jonesy are making that's going famous is essentially them squeezing their butt cheeks to specific beats in different atmospheres I thought that this was super funny and actually a realistic 
type of thing that somebody totally could go viral for. Like there would definitely be a blue check mark next to their page on TikTok. There's no doubt about it. What the skids do in return to make their own content is they end up doing like a music video doing drugs on a playground. And I thought that this was actually really funny. This is also something that could go viral on TikTok. Like it's very weird and obscure, but I do think that that those group of people would have a very successful TikTok career. However, uh, Katie confronts the skids later on and how irresponsible it was for them to do that. This is such a small town and drugs are a problem to a certain extent, usually because of the skids. And she she basically uh, comes at them for doing that because they don't she doesn't want them to set a bad example on the kids that are just growing up in Letterkenny. However, those events leave uh, the skid characters kind of at a loss and, and moving into the final episode of the season. They're kind of contemplating what they're going to do to kind of make a name for themselves again and revitalize their career. The final episode opens up to definitely what is my favorite cold open that we offer in this in this season. I thought it was so funny, but they introduced this character named Alexander, who I don't believe we've ever met before. If we've ever had any scenes with him, I've definitely forgot about them. But this character pops off the screen so much. He's essentially coming by because he's raising money for his brother's wedding. And essentially where the humor comes is he's upselling this event and all these things that come with this package if you just donate to his cause. And the humor just comes in how seriously deadpan he's delivering this super long monologue where he's over-explaining every aspect in such like an honest and straightforward way. It's just like almost a unique humor delivery that I haven't seen depicted anywhere else before. I, it caught me off guard. I thought he, he's packaged in such a normal and like unforgettable way that the juxtaposition of how funny the scene is that he's delivering, it, it hits like a 10 out of 10 for me. This was like one of my favorite cold opens ever in the series. Getting into the episode, we cut over to the skids and there's an amazing break, break dancer right outside their typical little dance spot. And what we see is absolutely crazy. I've never, I don't think there's ever been another moment like this in Letterkenny where we get like a full on dance number from this random person we've never seen before. And she absolutely kills it. The soundtrack to this, to this show is so good and her dancing to the song was absolutely fire. Like I didn't think I would have so much fun just watching someone out dance to an entire song but it definitely happened we cut back over to the hicks where where wade wayne just received a piece of mail that was addressed to wade and they essentially got his name wrong katie calls him out on this and this immediately hops into what our shenanigan for the episode is in the way of them all calling each other by the wrong names so wayne is wade katie is sadie Daryl is Gary, Derry is Gary, and Squirrely Dan is Don. Uh, it was fun, definitely like some just funny joke humor happening here as they start to eventually drive around town just calling people out on their almost names. It's just some silly drunk humor that does definitely hit, and it's just a reminder of what that little Letterkenny charm is, is that it is uh, it is very simple at the end of the day. It doesn't always have to be these fancy concepts and like snappy deliveries of clever wordplay. Sometimes it is just as simple as just saying your buddy's name a little bit wrong. We jump back over to the skids where it's finally time for Roald to unveil his dance number he's been working on with their breakdance specialist that they essentially enlisted this girl to help them uh, reclaim some of their glory because dancing will always be in for TikTok. 
and we see a little dance number with Roald and this dance, uh, this break dancer, and it's absolutely fire. I mean, some of the movements he's doing are a little silly and unimpressive, but overall, it was so fun to see Roald being given some spotlight to be very competent. He he sometimes acts like the hunchback, the hunchback of Notre Dame mixed with like a weird assistant that always wants to please his master, even a little bit like an animal sometimes. I do really like the Roald character. He's just played up too ridiculous sometimes, but it's fun when they give him moments to shine like this. However, that's when everybody kind of crashes onto the scene, and what we see is the girls that have already switched from the skids over to the hockey bros are now here to poach the female breakdancer because she's the true star of this show. They end up poaching her and backing all their political game behind her to rise her above once and for all, this leaving the hockey bros, Jonesy and Riley, without anything really going on in their lives. However, it leaves them the room to kind of bond with the skids. Is what I'm, what's what I'm thinking is going to happen coming into the next season. I'm assuming the show is going to wrap up fairly soon here. Again, this is season 10, and it feels like a lot of these character arcs have run their course. I want to see as much of the show as possible, but I also think that the show respects their characters too much to just drag it on maybe forever. That, honestly, is the biggest conflict plotline that happens in this finale, this finale was very, this whole season was unique. I think you could say that for any season, but definitely the way that this one ended. Usually this show always delivers a, either a cliffhanger moment of a lot of things hitting the fan all at once, or they resolve everything in one big climactic brawl out at the very end and bring closure to big plot lines. This one didn't have that many running plot lines throughout it. It had some, but nothing that really commands the attention of the screen. It's definitely not even the A plot. So this one does just kind of end. I don't think that it's bad and it definitely doesn't like leave you in a weird state. And it is definitively the ending of the season, which I can't say for some of the other seasons. But it is just interesting that they're going for the more subtle, laid back approach to this finale, rather the more explosive ones that we've gotten in the last few seasons, especially. They've only gotten juicier and juicier there at the end. But yeah, this one kind of, I wouldn't say it ends on a, on a whimper, but it does end just on a bit more of a quiet note. All in all, guys, that's just my thoughts on this specific season. There's definitely a lot that I didn't cover, and there's definitely a lot to talk about with Letterkenny that I can't even begin to cover in this episode. If there are people who are listening that are really into Letterkenny, you know, maybe give me some feedback. Let me know that you're into it, and I'd be happy to make a lot more content in regards to it. But yeah, this show is uh, it's a masterclass on rhythm, on joke structure, on jokes per minute. You know, this it's very fast paced and it's just charming. It also treats its characters with the utmost respect. And at the end of the day, it's a story about community. And this community will pretty much go to bat for everyone for each other. And it's also a masterclass on insults. If you want to learn how to insult your friends better, watch this show and take some notes because it's got the best singers in the world. But yeah, that's going to bring my conversation to a close. Letter Kenny, season 10. Not my favorite season, but definitely going to be in my top five seasons, let's say. But there's definitely a few other ones that I like a little bit more than this one. But this one definitely delivered on another great season of Letter Kenny. So yeah, pitter patter. Let's get at her. I love you. <laughs>